0: and welcome to Chats, a television podcast, season 13, part 5, Chats of Prey. This is the fifth series in our season on shows, misfortunate enough to be canceled before airing their 13th episode, which we've been calling 13 under 13. My name is Magellan and this is our podcast and we're hosting it. So we'll start wherever the fuck we want. Sorry, where we fucking want to get the quote accurate. And the we includes Alan. Hey, Alan, what's up?
1: Hello, good evening, and welcome to the show. Welcome to the best show this side of New or Gotham City, depending on who you're asking. Mm.
0: Oh, okay, that's exciting. So we we, we 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 we've been watching Birds of Prey, the 2002 2003 TV show about uh, you know the folks in Gotham. You got your your Huntress, your your Barbara Gordon Oracle, your your Dino Lance Black Canary. Of course, Huntress's name is Helena Kyle. And we watched the finale of that show this week. We also then watched the 2020 film Birds of Prey, uh, which I feel like I should say no relation when I say that. Some relation, some characters are named the same thing, <laughs> but uh, very different creative objectives between mm-hmm. those two things. So we'll talk about the movie after the break. But first let's let's close out our time with Birds of Prey, the Otts Classic. Alan, this time around, we watched episode 13, Devil's Eyes. The teleplay was written by Hans Tobiesen. The story by Adam Armis and Melissa Rosenberg. It was directed by Chris Long, and it aired on February nineteenth, two thousand three, I believe the same night as the previous episode, is that right? Correct.
1: Right after the previous episode.
0: Okay. What happened in
1: Devil's Eyes? Well, John, a lot happened in Devil's Eyes. In the series finale of Birds of Prey 02, Harley Quinn acquires the power to hypnotize others with her eyes. She has her men kill a metahuman so she can test her new power-stealing machine and decides to hypnotize all of New Gotham to be under her control. However, Harley finally discovers Helena's secret as the Huntress, and she persuades her to reveal the secrets of the Clock Tower, along with Barbara's and Dinah's true identities. Harley finally makes her move when she leads an all-out assault on the clock tower, as well as taking Wade hostage, who cares, which leads to Barbara and Dinah to approach Reese, we care, to help them plan a counterattack to retake the clock tower, leading to all of the characters finally meeting face-to-face at the clock tower for an all-out confrontation between good and evil. I should mention, too, that the episode ends with Harley Quinn being incapacitated or killed, what does what's Harley Quinn's fate at the end of Devil's Eyes? But feel well, like we
0: don't kill. That's that's like our whole thing. Ah, uh, yes, yes,
1: yes. We talk about this. So she's incapacitated, like you know, Batman just like breaks everybody's necks and spines and everything. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, Harley's yeah. gone. The girls are together. The guys are happy to be part of it, <laughs> or dead, or dead <laughs> in the case of some of them, and then that's Birds of Prey.
0: So what do you think of this conclusion? You, what do you
1: think? No, fuck. It's like you're playing Pong and the ball can't bounce back and forth. So it just hovers (laughs) in the middle. Uh, (laughs) Like Telekinetic. Uh, Gosh, devil's eyes. This is a very fun, very fast paced episode of Birds of Prey. I love how quickly everything goes. Um, I think the character moments hit. I think the action absolutely hits. Um, I think that they use their clock tower set really well um watching everybody be hypnotized and unhypnotized is kind of silly and fun uh i think that this serves as a mid-season finale or a series finale depending on what you're trying to do and i'm really curious uh when we get into it uh where we land on like how this serves or or why we think that the show got canceled on this note but i'm curious first what did you think
0: yeah i think this is a pretty satisfying conclusion i was not sure whether or not to expect such a thing. Uh, you know, it's always a dice roll. Like, do they know they're getting canceled or did they plan for a midseason break? Like you're saying, and it, it seems here like either way they planned and executed on an episode that closed enough loops that it feels final, but left a couple things open that you can have that feeling of, ah, man. I wish they'd gotten a couple more episodes just so I could see what they would do next, which I don't think I actually want that, but I'm leaving the episode, having the feeling of wanting a little bit more, which I think makes it a good finale. So I'm glad that despite there being a dip in the quality of episodes, kind of in the middle there, birds of prey ends pretty strongly, I think. And, Mm -hmm. uh, it kind of leaves me saying, you know, if people are wondering, is this one worth checking out? Um, or should you watch it? Oh,
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think the pilot and the finale are good and worth watching. And I think there are episodes in the middle that are, and episodes in the middle that aren't. But um, hmm. yeah, I think they, I think they stick it here, which is nice.
1: Yeah, I do too. I, uh, I wanna. We're we're also gonna try to compose some sort of skip list. If that's something you want to do, it sounded like from your
0: notes. Yeah, I. Uh, I would do it now. I think now's a weird time, but <laughs> he's so romantic.
1: He would do I it would whenever. Do it uh, I'll call yeah. now. Well, first I just wanted to say uh do you, did you want more? Were you left wanting more out of the Birds of Prey finale? And did you want a season 2 after the end of this?
0: That's yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think what makes this episode work so well is that we finally do the Harley Quinn birds face off thing so we've yeah. been building all this kind of um uh dramatic irony and tension around okay they're rivals but they don't know um but also yeah i don't know it, we we've talked before about how the therapeutic relationship between Harlene and, and and helena has been kind of strange mm-hmm. um and then I think I would have wanted to see some episodes where they like draw that out a little bit more um, where we like get some more clues or get closer to them being revealed to each other because it felt, you know, the reveal of Helena's identity as Huntress last episode was very abrupt and supposedly happened at like a gala that felt like there were 10 people at it or something (laughs) you know it just wasn't wasn't they didn't sell it super well with the resources that they had right um so i think even before we talk about a season two if this show had been assured that it would have more time i think stretching out the lead up to this episode would have been nice um and then i think you know you've kind of created like a winning situation here where you don't kill i mean that's how batman stories work is like you don't kill off the joker and then you get to use the joker again later um so you don't kill off harley you could bring her back you could bring other people from arkham there's lots of stuff you could do and then of course yeah there's that hanging thread at the very end which is that alfred uh, gives Bruce bedtime calls good night which is uh a little silly but also i do kind of want to know what they would have done with that um
1: i really wish that they never yeah. should if they had done this more that we never see bruce we only hear him and like maybe he gets more involved you know maybe uh he starts calling the birds sometimes and it's like, Hey, what's up? And like Helena never wants to talk to him or maybe, yeah, it's just Alfred like asking him for advice. And he's like, you should tell them this. And he only ever talks to Alfred. Uh, I thought that was a really like a a bit of a hammy, like, Hey, season two, we got the thing that you guys wanted. Um, Weirdly, that's the connecting thread between the two things that we watched this week Mm -hmm. is they Mm -hmm. both end with a like an explicit reference to Batman. And it's like, mm. aren't we, because in the post credit scene of Birds of, of, Birds of Prey 2020, they Harley's like, you know, I'm going to tell you secrets about Batman. Uh, it's like, can you guys not escape the legacy of the Cape Crusader? Are we trapped under his right. shadow forever? Like, it's like kind of poetic right. and also sad. <laughs> but it's yeah. also baked into Birds of Prey, like the comic book characters. Birds, you know, Batman, the Bat family. Mm-hmm. This is a mm-hmm. whole universe of characters. Uh, which Speaking of which, I actually just finally watched, super timely, uh, the Patrick H. Williams video on why they, there's no Robin in the Batman movies. and Great video. Really great video. We talk about Patrick's videos all the time on here. But that one's really good just because he, he talks about, like, you know, the ethos of the Batman films is to be serious and gritty. And there is, an, like, the optics of having a young child with you kind of make it seem like you're in a kid show. But Birds of Prey, O2, realizes that like, no, like relationships between mothers and daughters, fathers and sons, family, stuff like that is super nuanced and interesting and adult and can be used in really cool ways. And if they did get a season two, I would love to see just more references to Batman and like actually talking to him or talking about him uh, because I think that's the next good avenue mm-hmm. for like Helena's character.
0: Right. Yeah. It sort of raises this question to me. I I was, you know, I'm not sure if I would have liked to see Batman, but it definitely got me interested in what they were thinking of doing because it raises this question of, you know, we're in a world that is, you could call it the Batman universe, air quotes, Mm -hmm. in the sense that all of these characters originate from Batman stories or Batman adjacent stories of some kind. And so obviously batman exists in this universe in some way and then weirdly like you have the the joaquin phoenix joker movie that seems to be able to avoid that uh mm-hmm. right there's no it, batman in there
1: uh there's like a or wayne kind of there's a wayne family there's moment a... but i don't think that there's bruce himself
0: okay gotcha but yeah so there's this like kind of hanging thing of well There's got to be a Batman somewhere. But if Batman was in it, he would be really important and take away a lot of the focus from these other characters. So I guess he has to not be in it. Mm -hmm. So then to bring him in it, you're kind of undoing that and suddenly either you're going to make Batman a big character or make his relationship with the characters a big character, which is a big uh, focus, which is different from like, his impact on them being a focus right yeah um and it would just take up a lot of storytelling real estate that i don't think this show is ever interested in giving to batman so it's an interesting choice that the final moment of the show is them saying hey batman Mm -hmm." because then you also have to explain like where did he go? Why did he go? Is there an answer to those questions that's satisfying? I don't think so. I don't think so either.
1: Uh, Unlikely, at least.
0: Yeah, it's just such, a, such an interesting choice.
1: I do want to talk it about feels Helena's. Like can only exist oh, in a finale.
0: Anyway, go ahead.
1: Yeah, exactly. Where it's like, okay, we'll wrap it up and then mate, like you're basically handing off the baton. If you guys want to re- handle this next season, you can, or we can hand wave it like it never happened, right? Yeah. Um right. I, I want to talk about in relationship to this Helena's development in this episode and specifically the internal mm-hmm. struggle to share things and to be open with people, which mm-hmm. is setting up like such a potentially cool arc for her now that she's like, Okay, my identity's out there and I finally can talk to the people who I trust, which includes, unfortunately, her therapist, Tarlene Quinzel, uh, who right away she gives up the entire ghost and says, like, hey, I've got these friends. And we have a secret hideout, and it's like, no, stop! You can already tell this is gonna go bad. You don't say these things to your therapist. You, this should be common sense, but I know why you're feeling vulnerable right now. And you know, if you didn't already know, <laughs> you somehow went into this and didn't know that Harley's villain. Like maybe you watched this episode by itself. The part where she says, like, "Oh, Helena, that session was so satisfying to me," is where you're like, "That's weird. That's a weird thing to say to your client, actually." Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, then she gets the the hypno eyes in a moment of like brief violence where the other guy just dies and the scientist is like he's dead and she's like that's fine, I don't actually care. In fact, and this part felt like it was I read on my notes this felt like it's out of the animated series. She tells the guy to jump out of a window and mm-hmm. he just and he does it and I was like, you know, this is hilarious. It's a little bit dark in live action, but it's still funny to me. Yeah. Uh, Cuz that's a dead that's a dead person. Um, but we take a pause from her before she starts hypnotizing all the all the folks. We get some Reese and Helena flirting. We get some more Wade interrupting people at work. Did you think it was weird that Wade drives Dinah to school?
0: Yeah, it it was confusing to me what time of day it was. Yeah, <laughs> that's too. Thing I'm realizing is that everything in the show looks like it's at nighttime. Why is Helena having these therapy sessions at like? 11 p.m and yeah, she's able busy. to come into harley's office at any time she wants <laughs> e- e- everything's nighttime in this show it it feels like that's gotham so, yeah, that was a little it was a little strange
1: it well like that's gotham but then also if you want to do a high school story high school doesn't happen at night generally so you can't have both right. of those things right uh, i'll never forget the episode where helena comes from like a Party or something, and then in her outfit and Harley in her outfit are like, "You want to do a quick sesh?" That's so nuts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. And then we start getting people uh, getting hypnotized. Uh, we start with Gibson. It, I this is a weird thing to say, and I'm going to say, you tell me if you feel weird about it. The okay. actor who plays Gibson, him, he seems like he was born to be hypnotized. <laughs> Like yeah. this is like the yeah, perfect thing to happen right. to
0: him. I think that's exactly right. It almost he, felt he comfortable.
1: I was like, yeah, yeah, he will get, uh, yeah. Just hypnotized. It was the
0: first time that Gibson made sense to me, uh-huh. really. As like, I'm the guy who is like Harley Quinn's lackey, and I just sort of do what she tells me to do. Like, it almost made me forget that he has a another state of being that isn't this because um, it's also so fun for her to like kind of slap this guy around and say oh, go hey shut up or go give me this thing it was like a nice uh compliment to her character yeah um yeah and he's that actor's pretty good at at doing that sort of characterful hypnotized guy stuff
1: He's just, yeah, he's funny. And like, again, parts that, that felt like the animated series to me when Harley's like, I want you to go mad. And at first it's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's funny. And then it's like really sad and scary that like yeah. he's just stuck in that mode until we break hypnotism. And yeah. it's like problematic, but that's like the Harley Quinn vibe is like we're going to mm-hmm. tiptoe around like a mental health talk in a kind of twisted way. Uh, yeah. So it really worked for me that I was like, oh, that's like, so scary that she just told him to go mad or whatever, and he's like, or lose mm-hmm. his mind, and I didn't feel comfortable with that, but uh the fact that <laughs> oh, God, Helena, God bless you, girl but she was like, my friend is acting and I'm taking her words here, my friend is clinically insane, so yeah, let me just take him to my therapist, because that's mm-hmm. how you, it's fi- <laughs> like, you know, he's, she's not the Pokemon center, the mental health Pokemon center, <laughs> 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 she don't you know, just take him to her and I'll be like, can you fix him? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just so like convenient and silly, yeah. but then she gets hypnotized, She knocks out Barbara Alfred again, pulling out the, the goat powers. He has smelling salts just at the ready for when Barbara's uh-huh. knocked out. I was like, Whoa, that's, you know what? Alfred Pennyworth, you would have smelling salts handy. Yeah. And this is where the plot gets kind of dumb because um, Barbara decides that the only way to handle a bad guy like Harley Quinn is to get on her legs again. And use the coupler. <laughs> Just why? Like literally they tell me why. She thinks that in any way. Her being able to walk. Is going to be a competitive advantage. In this situation. Because she doesn't even fight. Until the last scene of the episode. And even right. then it's for like two seconds. And so yeah, what happens is. Harley comes back. They have like a choking fight. That doesn't get even too intense. And then she loses. And it's like. Well, <laughs> that's that was it that or or helena comes in they like fight briefly Mm -hmm. i don't understand why they did this it just feels weird and inappropriate
0: yeah i i really don't know either because they've been seeding this the whole show like it was harley and and helena need to figure out who each other are and barbara gordon is gonna walk those are the things that have been like from day one episode one shoved down our throats and you're right i don't i don't quite understand what the idea behind this is except we need to like put barbara in the position where she is able to kill harley quinn i guess but like she doesn't need to walk to be able to do that um exactly so yeah it felt it felt bad. I did not like it.
1: I don't get it. I, I truly don't. It's like, is this her going Super Saiyan? It's like, I can go mobile mode. Just like really weird. The mm-hmm. visual of it is weird. It feels bad. Everyone's like, this is dangerous. And she's like, I have to do it. And, you know, when it was like Lady Shiva and you are going to fight and you might die. I sort of got it. You want to be able to physically fight. I guess I mm-hmm. get it. But like, what are you getting out of this? What are you doing here? It's just strange. Deeply, deeply yeah strange.
0: and then there's just there and there's all this talk of like you're risking your life or whatever and nothing happens with it
1: yeah she doesn't even get like hurt by it to my knowledge yeah it's just strange and of course we discover very quickly that the hypnosis is broken just like that TNG episode where they're all gamers it's broken by a flashlight mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. Quinzel's already gotten into the clock tower <laughs> I love that Wade is just there. Hey, what's up? Are you who are you? Oh, I'm hypnotized now. No oh, shit.
2: <laughs>
1: uh again, if they flipped the genders of this, her kissing him non-consensually in this moment would be so much worse. It's already bad. But the part yeah. where she like hypnotizes him and then makes out with him, I was like, Oh god, just flip this and it feels even grosser. Wow. Amazing. Amazing job.
0: Yeah. That part was really dark. Yeah. I she know that this is your boyfriend. Him to kiss her, and then she murders him. That was like, fuck, birds yeah. of prey. Jesus. And I'd been writing in my notes, ugh, Wade, uh, get the heck out of here, bud. And then he gets stabbed to death in this scene. I'm like, Wade, I'm so sorry. Oh, I did not. I didn't mean it. I didn't want this to happen to you. Take it back.
1: No, I'm fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> then perish. <laughs>
0: right right i mean you know finally like it's a guy getting killed to motivate a woman i guess i I don't know there's something something about that but it just i think for me it was less like don't do this and more like it just harshes the vibe so much (laughs) it's like too much for me for because everything else like you were saying is so cartoonish Mm -hmm. hey buddy jump out a window uh hey, you know, Gibson bark like a dog. What kind of dog? Or what kind of animal? <laughs> I don't know you decide. Like so much of it is 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 goofy. Yeah. And then that part is is like grim dark. Rest Real. in peace
1: to wade gone. Yeah.
0: Shank but it does blood. lead us to uh a good moment. I I mean, I think what I like about it is what Huntress then reflects on when she learns about it, which is she didn't tell harley quinn his name or who he was when she was hypnotized she told him that him when was, she
1: was nor, not hypnotized
0: yeah that was just like in therapy when she was sharing with her therapist which is kind of a thing the episode doesn't quite resolve thematically this question of like the like sharing too much what what uh-huh. do you need to be protective of when you live this double life or try to save the world or whatever Yeah. Um, Because Huntress compromises all of this information. She compromises everybody's identities and the clock tower and it gets Wade killed. And the fact that Wade is there is because we've compromised our identities because Alfred brought him there in the first place. Why aren't we mad at Alfred for like getting him here? Those things aren't really reckoned with. And maybe that's a a theme that would have been explored more in like a second half of season one or a season two Mm -hmm. is – well, do we need to create a separation? Do we need to create a separation between the crime fighting in real life? And if not, how do we navigate that? Um, Which I think would have been interesting. But... It's a
1: a weird like security question for you. Yeah. Do you you name your
0: friends by name to your therapist? Uh, You know, I thought about this exact thing. I i don't know if this is weird but i don't say anybody's names in therapy. that's not weird
1: that's not weird at all i don't i don't either I,
0: I, yeah i don't i don't know if people do uh maybe that's i've wondered before like am i being like too uh kind of protective of or too guarded or something like that but i don't refer to people by name No,
1: i don't think it's too predictive i mean like God forbid your therapist ever you ever see them in public or they see you with someone and they're like, "Oh, that's girlfriend of the podcast Amanda." Like they you don't want yeah. that to happen. So it's that right. and also just a it's it's like HIPAA goes two ways. You don't you're not obligated to share those things explicitly with them. They don't have to they're not obligated to ask you. Uh, I know. It's just
0: so funny that I like name people explicitly by name on our podcast listened to by people who I've never met before. Right?
1: <laughs> yeah but the people on the podcast are less likely to run into people in your real life than your therapist is believe it or not because your therapist is based in new york city correct uh,
0: uh, right right so yeah, like, i suppose that's true
1: but I, I see where you're coming from like i only yeah. towards the end of the journal that i was keeping last year stopped using names i should have done it the whole time because i realized that if somebody found this journal they would like like problems would occur and mm. as a result i also in therapy i just refer to people by character archetypes i'm like the one who works too much or the my roommate or my best friend who i do a podcast with like you've been my right. best friend i do a podcast with since she doesn't know yeah, your that's, name
0: that's who you are right. right right
1: so i you know something to think about but i i, I kind of wish helena like had that thought even for one second like why did you name everybody <laughs> it's, yeah
0: it's I, but i i was thinking about the same thing when i was watching the episode of like yeah i would i would never do this yeah (laughs) therapy that's the excitement
1: Uh, for her but she's like so yeah happy to be explicit that that's why she's doing it uh yeah
0: yeah i i do think like if i were to start doing that i would very excitedly do that yeah yeah which is relatable i guess
1: Uh, a couple other things that happened though You know, there's the break-in. Alfred has a gun at one point. He gets hypnotized, but then he's not really hypnotized. (laughs) He pulls a gun on Harley Quinn, which is badass. He says, but all this. (laughs) (laughs) so silly. Alfred, you're You're a king. You
0: little goofy guy. Put that down.
1: Helena, when talking to Reese about her identity crisis, also slaps his butt gently. Yeah, Uh, I caught that. I saw that. Great. little emotional moment that's punctuated by a butt touch. That's the romance to me. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, And then they take care of Harley, and everything's fine. They have a great big fight scene. This is one of the better fight scenes of the show. Pretty good.
0: Pretty good fight scene. Yeah.
1: Lots of good emotion, and you can actually see things. I feel like the fight scenes early in the show, I was like, I don't visually understand what's going on. Uh, But then we get two moments of, like, winks and nods here. Reese and Alfred, while, like, in synchronicity sweeping the background of the scene, are cleaning the tower. And one of them <laughs> talks to the other one and mentions Robin. Yo, is this do you know Robin? Didn't he have like a, a kid that hung out with him? Oh yeah, Robin. Oh, that's a whole other story. D- <sighs> do you think they would have done Robin in season two? I hope so. Um,
0: yeah, because there's there's also that moment where where Harley Quinn was like, "Oh, all of you, like, how many are you?" and Huntress, it seems like she was going to say, well, you know, there's other people other places, but we're the only ones in the clock tower or whatever. Like, I think they and they've made a lot of references to Dick Grayson, Jason Todd, like named these people by name. So Mm -hmm. I I fully believe they would have gone there in a season two, Um, which I think could have. I think that would have worked for me. To have, like, one of these Robin guys, and if he's Nightwing or something else or whatever name you want to give him, (laughs) comes into town and Barbara and Huntress know him and Dinah's meeting him and now we're talking about, like, being Batman's kids and how do we feel about that? Like, I think that would have worked. How amazing would it have been if the episode
1: split instead of introducing a new Greg was like, oh, Robin's back. And Helena's dealing with another uh, guy. Except, I guess, like they have a crush. They have a romance. And that mm-hmm. wouldn't make sense with Helena and Robin. But still, like yeah, I would have loved to see Robin in season two or three or whatever. Mm-hmm. Get the guy in there. Yeah. Uh, so this is that. And then there's the moment you referenced, which is, right, as everything wraps up, Alfred takes a call. Apparently, he's been having regular calls with Bruce Wayne. And just, like, talking about his, like, legacy. And, hey, the girls are doing all right. Thanks for checking. Yeah. Me. And then
0: Batman just hangs up on him. <laughs> and Perfect. Checks the phone like, what the fuck? Did you just hang up on me?
1: Absolutely on you point. Jerk. He would do it. Yeah. He would say, you jerk while smiling to himself and like sitting back in his chair.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love that relationship. Um,
1: That's the episode though. It's kind of a clean finale. Uh,
0: yeah. It's pretty straightforward, but it's good. I think it's solid. It is.
1: I have a quick uh, casting note that I just learned while we were talking. Okay. Um, the actor who plays Gibson, Rob Benedict. Yeah. Do you know what else he's known for these days?
0: Oh, I do recognize that face. Is it a face thing or a voice thing?
1: No, no, no. It's a face thing. You haven't watched it. You haven't watched the show that he's huge on. Uh, okay. Well, nowadays he's on like Lucifer and like NCIS, and he's on The Boys actually. So maybe I don't know. Do you watch The Boys? No, I don't, no, think I don't you do. watch The Boys. Uh He's fucking... He's the main villain of Supernatural. Okay. He's God. Okay. He plays the okay. character of God. Okay. Isn't that yeah. so weird? Okay. <laughs> My brain does not want to process... This is, the okay. thing. this is the thing about this type of show is like a regular dude. They'll just point to him and be like, yep, that's Jesus Christ. And you're like, well, I guess I believe okay. you. <laughs> okay. So... Gibson plays God on Supernatural, or played to God on Supernatural when it was a thing. He's the big bad.
0: God is a villain of Supernatural.
1: One of the villains. There's like a million villains, but he's the big bad. Yeah.
0: Huh.
1: <laughs> I'm just trying we to watch tempt him. Supernatural. Yes! yes, 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 yes. I wanted you to say it. I just fucking hook, line, and sinker to you. Yes, we should watch. Owen said if we... chats covers. Owen's one of our friends of the podcast. Said if we, sorry, I'm like catching my breath. If we watch Supernatural, she's going to stop listening. <laughs>
0: really like,
1: yeah she like doesn't want us to cover it i don't know why i don't know i also don't feel like we're chasing supernatural is where i leave for good and alan and i stop being friends
0: was this said like unprompted or what was the context of we this? were
1: talking about supernatural we were talking about like 13 under 13 stuff and uh other of the podcast nick was like oh you know supernatural had 15 seasons just a couple more than 13 and that's what she said uh uh-huh.
0: Uh, interesting i, I would love to pilot it yeah i don't i don't need to watch it but
1: one of my best friends is the biggest supernatural fan out there so we okay. would have to we'd have to we'd have people to recruit if we did that but that's more yeah, than an it would also take us
0: like take us like five years to watch yeah. or whatever and be exactly. pretty funny
1: anyways god on supernatural uh straight notes from this episode it seemed like Helena and harley were gonna
0: kiss yep yeah. yep
1: <laughs> yes that was yes.
0: cool okay unfortunately liked... the
1: 2020 movie makes this basically explicit
0: <laughs> i liked that it was such a confusing moment for both of them like it i don't think it was harley's intention and then they both kind of found themselves in that spot of like wait a minute are we able to kiss right now and then they didn't yeah um so i thought thought they played that pretty well there's that early conversation between reese and helena where I felt like every one of his lines started with "Well, you know," or um, "Come on, yeah," and that that was a little annoying. I wonder I if those are why. like
1: filler lines uh, uh, from the act from Shemar Moore or what, or if that was in the script. Yeah,
0: I felt like he was tossing in a lot of those. Uh, it was funny to me that Huntress being hypnotized, but as far as we know, she was not told by Harley Quinn to be an asshole. But <laughs> her, her hypnotized self was like very snarky and evil. Yeah, Good which for was her. fun, Yeah.
1: We have two questions at the end of your that you came up with. I,
0: I do. I just want to say I really liked I thought it was thematically very satisfying that we returned to this idea of vengeance and do we kill and that kind of thing, because Diana's had a moment of crisis related to that. Helen has had a moment of crisis related to that. Yeah. And Barbara's always been the one to tell them we don't kill. It's not what we do. We have to do things the right way. And now in the last episode for Barbara to be the one who's going to do this and for Huntress to talk her down, uh, to talk her down from killing the person who has like fucked with Huntress the most and betrayed her trust and used the information Huntress gave her to cause all this harm Mm -hmm. for Huntress to be the one to say like, look, I get it, but you have to take your own advice and I love the line where she's saying, like, you always told me that, you know, we, we, vengeance is a way to, like, dull the pain. But when we felt less, we were less. Right. We, yeah. That's good. That's good stuff.
1: Very, very written by a writer
0: line, but I'm into it. Yeah, I, I really liked it a lot. Um, So I thought that was a pretty satisfying emotional climax for this show.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, uh, I did have. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: I was going to segue to your two questions.
0: Well, who would you've cast as Batman?
1: Two thousand two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either James Vanderbeek, if you want to go for like sexy CW. James Vanderbeek. Dawson's Creek go. from
0: Dawson <laughs> as Batman.
1: Yeah, I want to be like gruff. uh Interesting choice. Two thousands man. I just googled. He was. He was only
0: like twenty something in in two thousand. Okay,
1: we need someone a little older.
0: Yeah, Usher.
1: <laughs> Usher Raymond, let's fucking go. Ooh, Josh. I need to go older. Josh Hartnett's too young. <sighs> Everyone's so young. Ben McKenzie's a sweet little lad. God, these lists of like two thousands men are great. I don't know. Get a little, maybe get a little spicy. Get a little British with it. Give me like uh, Orlando Bloom or something.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm weird. looking up actors born in 1970 because they would have been 33 at the time. Okay. And let me tell you. Yeah. How about Ooh. Nikolai Walden. <gasps> really good. Really good. I, I'm Batman. <laughs>
1: uh, that's my Nikolai impression.
0: Okay. Let me give you another one. Actor born in
1: 1970. How about Ethan Hawke? Ah, I'm on the same list as you. Yo, please, please, Ethan Hawke as Batman. (laughs) How
0: about Nick Offerman? (laughs) I am the knight. (laughs) Oh my god! How about Matthew Lillard? I feel like he's he
1: still would be a little fresh faced in 2002. Probably. That's like peak Scooby. That's like Scooby slowly. Yeah. Yeah
0: vince vaughn oh yeah i guess i guess actually this you need to go older because if this is going to be like huntress's dad this guy would need to be like in his 50s or something
1: somebody on my twitter recently realized that vince vaughn was really hot in the 90s and like posted a bunch of pictures from swingers and i was like (laughs) where were you first of all we've been new yeah come on we've been new also we should rewatch swingers the next time we hang out
0: I thought I talked about swingers the other day. I can't remember. That's
1: a that's a movie I want to watch with you because I watched it with you the first time and it felt like a not like it's such an Alan and Michelle movie, but it's like a movie you watch with your boys, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. I went back to uh, actors born in 1950 so that they'd be 53 because I think the age might make more sense there. Okay, okay. Ron Perlman.
1: Uh, I can't imagine him in the suit.
0: William H Macy.
1: Getting there.
0: Ed Harris.
1: Ooh, really good. Actually, really good. I feel like he's played Batman.
0: Okay. Yeah, maybe. Oh, Gabriel Byrne. Whoa. Whoa.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just that's like a haggard, like a grandfather Batman. Yeah. Yeah. I just wouldn't want him to talk. He doesn't have like that voice for it. He's got a great voice, but not.
0: Oh, 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 oh. Patrick Stewart. It's done. No, it's done. It's done? Actor born in 1950, Bruce Boxleitner. It's
1: <gasps> done. Whoa, my God. You just hit me like it's, a ton of bricks. It's over. Was he doing Back, B5 at that pack point?
0: Pack it up. Go home. Nah, B5's done by Oh, he's
1: point. good. He's good to go. Yeah. He had no Bruce other B. gig going on. Bruce E. B. That's perfect. You nailed it. Bruce Boxleitner is Batman.
0: <laughs> He'd be the perfect Batman.
1: The I can't believe it. perfect Batman. Seriously.
0: What and his name's 2003? Bruce. Come on now. Come on. The guy's <laughs> name is Bruce.
1: Shut up. Shut up. That's it was so right there for us. It was right there. He was in Tron 2.0 in 2003. That's a great game. <laughs> Outer Limits. I loved it. It was a good video game. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Your other question. And let's be quick about Skip this. Skip
0: list. Skip list.
1: Okay. I'm going to tell you what you should watch. You tell me yes or no. I'm just going to go down the list and you tell me yes or no. How about that? Uh, yeah. I'm just going to open up the episodes. Okay. I got it okay premiere
0: yes yeah you watch the pilot yeah
1: of course slick this is the liquid uh, man
0: uh sure i think uh, you do a little harley scheme it's a nice table setter i think we'd like to win fine.
1: yeah agreed pray for the hunter
0: um this is in the maybe pile like if you want the how do metahumans work in yeah. this world but it's not necessary but i'm gonna give it i'm gonna have three categories it's like a you gotta watch it you could watch it and you don't need to okay
1: (laughs) three birds and a baby hard yes that's a
0: that's a yes that's a hard yes yeah
1: okay (laughs) sins of the mother
0: um yeah i think that's important
1: some things will not make sense to you if you don't watch this episode yeah uh primal scream
0: um gang of thieves uh, it's a little bit of yeah, Harley it's a maybe it, that's, a, that's a maybe one I think it was fun and fine but not necessary
1: yeah the Biker Club is really fun yeah Uh oh I just completely lost my order why is the order wrong now split uh, split is next yeah Uh. Wha- I'm gonna say no on split
0: yeah I remember this one not being great
1: <sighs> Lady Shiva if if there was a season two and they followed up on this then maybe but i don't like this episode very much
0: yeah i i would say no honestly
1: nature of the beast
0: um this one should be important but it doesn't feel like it so i'm gonna say
1: no same It's a great idea and they should have followed up on this plot line, but this is not how you do it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think if you want to have the full arc of like Dinah's mom is killed and then she has this moment of testing her commitment to not killing. So I'll give it a maybe just because like on paper it's important, but in practice it doesn't really feel great.
1: Agreed. Uh, Gladiatrix. No. Firm no. No. Reunion uh i liked it it was fun yeah yes it's got yeah. some good stuff and you get to confirm uh Reese and, H- and helena together
0: yeah feet of clay um maybe all you really need to know is that helena reveals her identity to harley otherwise it's like kind of a funny b-movie type <laughs> yeah
1: horror. i laughed at this one a lot i thought it was entertaining yeah, yeah. It, this is a maybe this is definitely a, like do you want to just watch some birds of prey i put on feet of clay it's a decent episode yeah and then devil's eyes i think we can both agree it's to a yes. yes yeah it's a yes. of course of course yeah well, so that's I,
0: I don't know should there have been more of this show if we're closing it out as a as a, a, a 1313 like on the injustice meter of this being <laughs> canceled What's your what's your take? Do
1: so you mean Injustice, like Gods Among Us, like the DC thing, or <laughs>
0: yeah, the fighting game? Yeah, let's play yeah. a little bit of that.
1: Okay. Uh, do I think the show should have been canceled?
0: I mean, yeah. Like, what's your what's your take on that?
1: I think that the reason it got canceled is what's interesting to me, and I think it's a case of uh, terrible management behind the scenes, mm-hmm. just like the whole like they don't the writers don't see the dailies. They don't get to tell the actors how to pace the dialogue, uh, the episodes, like plots airing out of order. Like, that's all stuff you could have just fixed by the network caring a little bit more and giving the production team time. That's, if you made this show again, I think it would be awesome. You can make it today. I think people, there. I think that there's an audience for this today. But it was canceled because it was mismanaged and put in one of the shittiest time slots in primetime. Simple as that. And it's not always an easy sell to be like, yeah girl power and it's connected to the Batman world like you're kind of biting off two different heads right there what about yeah you?
0: yeah I mean I think it it makes sense to me that this one didn't last because this genre of TV I'm sure felt a bit long in the tooth in 2002 um yeah and yeah the Batman movies were like a t- <laughs> like a decade old or something I don't yeah know. yeah it's just is trying to ride a few waves that are on their way out so but then it's preceding the wave of cw dc shows the greg berlani like universe right um so it kind of occupies a weird space in that regard but this is one that i think shows the the core ensemble is great i think yep. the character work is wonderful um, I've found the characters of Barbara Gordon, Bar- Barbara Gordon and Helena Kyle, especially super engaging throughout the show. So yeah. I think there's like a really strong core to this that, you know, you have a shaky first half of your first season, a shaky first season, you build out some, some other bads, like you let Harley Quinn sit in Arkham for a while and you figure out well who else from the rogues gallery do we want to incorporate into this you get poison ivy in there and see what that's all about um and i think you could have gotten a couple pretty solid seasons out of this um but it makes sense to me that it didn't last because it was kind of like doomed to be canceled in a way um but I, i think it was decent and pretty entertaining throughout
1: definitely I think that you could make this way cooler today. And the thing is with the with the, the Berlani universe is that they come in waves, right? Like, there's just years and years of oversaturation, and then people get sick of following, keeping up with it, and then they stop watching them. That's what just happened. We're in, like, a post-Berlani universe right in period right now, uh, because, like, the Arrowverse is basically wrapped up, and, like, the Flash show ended, and all that stuff just, like, kind of, unsummarily ended, or summarily ended. And so now it's like, do people want a superhero show, actually? Because, like, Peacemaker did really well on HBO. But that's because, you know, you have star power like John Cena at the front of it. And otherwise, what people want these days is not necessarily earnest superhero shows like Birds of Prey. But more uh, like stuff that's like social commentary, like The Boys or Invincible. Uh, I think that's the superhero stuff that tends to do better right Mm -hmm. now. Right. So maybe it wouldn't do super well if it aired today. I just like as a fan of these characters, like you said, would love to see this more. And as we'll talk about after the break, uh, a modern re of these characters could be super interesting. Yeah. So unfortunate 13 episodes in and out. Such a crowded time in television. Hard to get any show off the ground. I get it. But uh, there was potential in Birds of Prey for sure. And I think we, we both got quite a kick out of it. And it's wacky antics. Yeah. Um, but let's close the book on 2002 and jump forward 18 years, Magellan. Because <laughs> right, af- right after this musical break, we are going to be discussing Birds of Prey I am 2020.
2: To... I am yeah, ain't trying be cool like you. Wobbling around in your high heel shoes. I'm clumsy. Made friends with the floor. Two for one, you know what bitch by four and two let me. Like you know I always rap. First thing a girl did was about the whole damn cake in the cherry on top. Shook up the bar and a good girl. When you did hit a party.
1: Welcome back to, 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 to chat, Last week you may have noticed that I said hello and welcome back, which feels really weird. I'm still alone. He's still much yelling though.
0: Yeah, you got that right.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Snappy yeah, you, you got Island. that right
1: snappy relatable dialogue girl power uh <laughs> so folks as we mentioned we've wrapped up birds of prey 2002 there are no more birds of prey television shows to our knowledge there's uh-huh. the hard to quit animated series which i've heard is great but it's not really in the chat's wheelhouse in that uh-huh. it's not old and uh yeah we wanted to find something that was more specifically related to birds of prey so we uh, went back just a couple of years, cracked open our HBO Max accounts, and we watched *Birds of Prey*, the twenty twenty film that takes place in the DC Cinematic Universe. This film was written by Christina Hodson. It was directed by Kathy Yan, and it was released February seventh, twenty twenty. Magellan, could you tell me what happened in *Birds of Prey*?
0: I would absolutely love to. Now, by *Birds of Prey*, do you mean the fantastic? The emancipation. Birds of prey.
1: You you backed out of that big bit so quickly. <laughs> it is you know when you Birds type of "birds prey. of
0: prey" subtitle into Google, it tries to give me the subtitles, which is not what I want. Birds I want of prey. And actually, do you want to say it? I don't want to say it for you. Go ahead. Let's say it together.
1: Oh gosh! Here we go. Three, two, one. Birds and of the prey. And the oh. oh. <laughs> the whole thing. Yep. Yeah, okay. Three, two, one. Birds, Birds of Prey and the, and the Fantabulous
0: Emancipation, emancipation of, of One, one Harley, Harley Quinn. Quinn.
1: I had to take my headphones off so I wouldn't hear you and mess up my sink.
0: <laughs> Here's what happens in that film. After splitting with the Joker since the end of Suicide Squad, Suicide Squad Suicide Squad. Harley Quinn, played by Margot Robbie, joins superheroines Black Canary, played by, played by Journey Smollett, Huntress, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and Renee Montoya, Rosie Perez, to save a young girl, Ella J. Basco, from an evil crime lord, Ewan McGregor. Oh, boy. Oh boy. What do you think of this film? So maybe first of all, I have a lot of questions. What do you think about okay. it? And then I have other other kind of framing questions
1: i loved it i thought it was fantastic i had a great oh, time yeah. if i had any issues with it uh it was that too it short was o- too short yeah it was over too soon <laughs> i had a fucking fantastic time with it no complaints i didn't give it five stars on my Letterbox because mm. i only give I'm, I'm i'm a very picky gal i don't give five stars to everything but it was the highest yeah. four star i've ever given probably
0: that's nice i like that what about you I did not know this movie was so fun and good. Why yeah. aren't people telling me that more often? We
1: knew this movie needs its stance. I mean, here's the thing. February 2020. Really rough time to release a movie in theaters. Really unfortunate time.
0: Yeah, extremely so.
1: Uh, number two. And someone made this point in our Discord. Totally valid. You are undoing what was like one of the biggest disappointments of superhero cinema with this movie. Because Suicide Squad 2016 was so overhyped and was so disappointing to millions of people who were, like, excited to see these characters on the screen and, like, a new Harley Quinn. And we got the gang together. And it's going to be part of the universe. Terrible. People freaking hated Suicide Squad 2016.
0: What well, was so it, bad about it? I never, I never did see that one.
1: Well, I think it was um, one of those, like, the script was gutted several times. And a mm. lot of stuff was cut from it that was, like, going to be really important. So it feels mm. like a weird like zombie or or Frankenstein of like five different scripts and director changes. And it just seemed like a mess of a movie way too uh, like grim, dark and annoying from what I hear. I have no interest in Mm -hmm. watching it. I've heard the suicide squad. 2021 movie is great. That's Um, the
0: good one, right? That's the James Gunn one.
1: Yeah, correct. That's the one that they also spun off into peacemaker. The show we were just talking about earlier.
0: Got it. He's not in that first one.
1: James Gunn or peacemaker. Yeah, no, I don't think he
0: is. The first one has... Will Smith's in the first one?
1: Yep, 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 yep.
0: Okay. Okay. I've only... The only part of that movie I've ever seen is the clip where he says, we're some kind of suicide squad.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All all I've seen. Uh, Yeah, that's the movie where Jared Leto was like a super freak and like when... Right, he he, like sent his
0: poop to people or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. He's a weird guy. He's
1: weird. And it's funny that this movie is about breaking up with Jared Leto because he's fucking weird.
0: (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> right right
1: uh so yeah like it's it's that that's part of why people aren't telling you like this is great and like i do think that there is a you're at a disadvantage when it's like a movie like made and about and by women right that like it's just not it it tends to not perform as well in theaters and that sucks because uh-huh. the movie rules it's great we had a great time yeah um yeah i think there's probably good. other reasons i that i'm not aware of this is like weird for us because we're not DC cinematic universe people. But um, yeah, just this like little peek into it. I was like, oh man, this made me want to watch more DC stuff. Even mm-hmm. though I know none of it is this fun. What about you? General thoughts, concerns, questions, comments.
0: Um, Yeah, I think I know very little, like you were saying about the DC. I, I don't know a lot about the MCU. I know even less about anything DC Comics movie related. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've seen a single one of them. Have you seen Man of Steel one. with me? No, I have not seen Man of Steel.
1: Oh, it's bad. I've heard it's bad. It's bad.
0: I okay. yeah. I I don't think I've seen a single one of the modern DC movies. I think the last time I watched a movie about a DC character, it was The Dark Knight Rises.
1: Wow. I'm pretty sure. Eleven years ago.
0: So, so yeah, I had no kind of like preconceptions or connections. I just knew like, ah, these movies are bad, I think. And so maybe this one will be fine. But this movie is so visually inventive and interesting. The script is so tight and funny and like does this impossible balancing act of tone where it's like cool and like fuck yeah but also kind of absurdly cartoonish and making fun of itself constantly it's it's like a it's a high wire act this thing and it's a marvel of a piece of storytelling oh (laughs) whoopsie put the cuffs on them boys sorry and then you know it turns into a superhero movie in like the last 20 minutes or whatever it gets kind of boring but
1: it's a little quippy it's a little like yeah yeah big
0: fighty like action time but even just the first like 15 minutes of this film are unassailably perfect cinema
1: yeah a beautiful distillation of harley quinn's character that incorporates like ideas from the animated series and the comics like the fact that she has hyenas is from the comics that's like such a weird deep cut mm. thing that uh-huh. they they pay homage to with her with the one co- uh hyena Bruce i read that she doesn't have two by the way because the cg was too expensive and so the way they did it was they had an actual like dog that they cg'd over to be a hyena uh-huh. and they were like okay. we can't we can't do this twice we can only have one of these sorry so okay. that's why she only has Bruce Uh, it incorporates a great villain who feels menacing and creepy, but also over the top in the right way. He knows the kind of movie he's in. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it spends a lot of time, and this is maybe where it comes down to the four star rating for me. It spends a lot of time setting up its team. And then a very little time with the team together. Yes. Uh, Yes. So if I have any complaint of this, it's like, it's an amazing Harley Quinn movie. It's a pretty good birds of prey movie.
0: Yeah, it's like barely a Birds of Prey movie. It's funny to me that it's billed that way. It, it, it's my understanding, I was talking to a friend of mine about this today, that the Harley Quinn subtitle was like added on to it when it was already out.
1: Probably, maybe? that sounds right. I believe that. Like a
0: week or two in the process of it being out. Um, They should have billed this as a Harley Quinn movie. I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's all. It was also built, but in some places as Harley Quinn colon Birds of Prey.
0: Interesting. Okay. That to me feels like the right, just based on how this is balanced, because she's narrating the story. It is essentially about her. I mean, you could argue whether or not she goes. No, she goes on a character arc because yeah. she's like, I'm, I'm the scary one. I'm gonna kill and be cool and be my own protection. So yeah. This is a Harley Quinn movie, and the Birds of Prey are part of part it. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> they're in it.
1: The fact that it's only in like the final five minutes where they're in costume, and and she's not even in it anymore, and it's the rest of them being like, you know what? We decided yeah. that we're going to be vigilante. Let's call ourselves the Birds of Prey. And it's like, wait. Uh, oh. <laughs> that was going to mm-hmm. be the movie. But... Yeah, this is all fine because Margot Robbie is the best live action Harley Quinn there's ever been. Sorry to Mia Sara, nothing but respect yeah, for you. Hold on,
0: yeah, relax.
1: No, come on. You know you come on. Har- Margot Robbie's a Harley Margot Robbie. They're different. They're doing Quinn.
0: different things. Mar- Margot Robbie is doing the classic interpretation of <laughs> Harley Quinn. She's doing a pitch perfect like I am the cartoon Harley Quinn brought to life yes mia sarah is doing her own thing that's like not really harley (laughs) quinn but really good (laughs) and i don't just don't want her name to be smirched and sullied on this podcast
1: i just had like a belly laugh because i felt like i was at a bar talking with a friend right now and (laughs) and you're like they're doing their own thing (laughs) I had like a really sweet moment there um anyways uh some big highlights number one canonical Mm -hmm. bisexual harley quinn let's fucking go boys that yeah. scene at the beginning where she says, I had a couple of guys, you know, in my life and a girl and the girl, the show is Poison Ivy in the Batman, the animated series art style. What I'm just saying, that's like the most popular <laughs> DC ship of all time. I think they make it canon in the Harley Quinn cartoon. I'm not sure, but mm. we love to see Poison Ivy and Harley together. Uh, mm. I wrote in my notes and I'm sorry because we're not supposed to like Kanye West anymore, but I wrote D's motherfucker, D's Rosie Perez. Holy shit! Rosie Perez is fun in this, and she is not supposed. What? <laughs> give me give you a second to breathe and make fun of me for that bad go, joke.
0: No, go ahead, go ahead.
1: Uh, there are different. This is like a contentious character, right? Rene Montoya, the cop that ends up helping the birds of prey and leaves the police force. She's older than most interpretations. And I believe I read an interview where Perez was like, I loved everything about the movie. I didn't like the part where the studio kept being like, should we get somebody younger or can you act and look younger? Because she was Uh, saying like, I think that they should allow, like if we're going to make this whole movie about like inclusivity and the different types of women, they should have an older woman on the team. It's okay that she's a little bit older than the rest of them. Right. It's way cooler that way to me. Yeah. You were saying,
0: I don't even remember. That (laughs) totally wiped my brain. (laughs) I'm just on the Wikipedia page for Christina Hodson, who wrote the film. Yeah. Um, What else she got? Some of her other credits. Um, A movie called Shut In, a psychological horror film thriller from 2016. Um, Unforgettable, a drama thriller from 2017. Not familiar. Um, Bumblebee, the Transformers movie.
1: She wrote the Bumblebee movie. Wow.
0: Uh huh. She was r- writing an upcoming Batgirl movie that's coming Ooh. out this year. Uh, that has Michael Keaton in it. Huh. Oh, it's maybe got- it's maybe it's not coming out anymore because it was mm. like an old, oh unreleased.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, this is the show that yeah. This, oh, like this is like the biggest a show. H- no, no, no. I'm sorry. This is a movie that was going to be Max exclusive. And it got pulled because they were like, this isn't going to be good enough. It's It was the most uh, m- most controversial one of the HBO Max cancellations because people were like, it was done. It looked really good. And then other people were like, mm, mate, you guys don't know how movies get made, but this looked bad. So that's uh, very, okay. very contentious. I didn't know that that okay. was her working on that, but that makes sense.
0: She wrote the screenplay for that Flash movie that's coming out this year. Oh, awesome. Um, and then she is co-writing the next Fast and Furious movie after Fast
1: X. (laughs) What's that's awesome?
0: (laughs) Yeah, she's also part of the like squad that was assembled by James Gunn to figure out what the heck the DC universe is going to be. Okay, so we'll probably see more Christina Hudson DC scripts. Which this the script was fucking fire. So that's great. Yeah, I'm happy about it. Makes me think maybe I should watch the Bumblebee movie.
1: Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> 2018 is a dark time for a film. It's amazing to me. I know that it shouldn't be amazing to me. It's amazing to me that a, a woman is, like, in the depths of the most important superhero cinema, cinematic universes right now. Like, I know, like, Kathleen Kennedy's, like, running Star Wars and stuff. Like, we need more of this. This is, like, great that she's a part of that whole squad. I'm just, just pointing that out. Because it's hmm. always seemed like such a boys' club. And I know it's like, right, oh, we give like a woman right. like one movie, but like she's like in it. Like she like defining the DC cinematic universe with other people.
0: Yeah. I digress. Cool.
1: Um, but yeah. I was talking about Rosie Press and the whole age- ageism thing. Yeah, right. Uh right. I felt weird about how her I want to kind of just like do character by character really quick. I yeah, let's felt like her-, her her arc was a little bit rushed. It was kind of like, I'm a cop, I'm doing cop stuff, I really want to find this guy. And then Harley, in the narration, is like, you know, most cops only get their job done when they leave. And she's like, I'm leaving. We get her girlfriend for 30 seconds. Ali Wong is just like her girlfriend, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. She spends half of the movie in a shirt that says, I shaved my balls for this. Which <laughs> <laughs> is quite funny. Uh-huh. Rosie Perez is a national treasure. I just like seeing her on screen. She's She's funny. She's gorgeous. She's yeah. awesome.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of the characters in this one suffer from um not being Harley Quinn. Not being Harley Quinn and the movie ha- for the sake of time having to assume that you kind of know who they are already. Yeah. Um like I have seen versions of Renee Montoya like in Batman the animated series, for example. Okay. But I only know that because I just opened the Wikipedia page for Renee Montoya just now and yeah. uh, was not familiar with the character. So, And I think, you know, that to me, that's honestly the weakest part of the movie is the parts that are like, and this part's kind of like a cheesy 80s cop movie, but then they just do it. Yeah. Um, and it's like, you, you didn't really buy yourself a, a get out of jail free card on that one. Um, but I I get it, because especially because the rest of the movie is doing such a great job of being one of those like classic crime thrillers, uh, th- like high action crime thriller that is very tongue in cheek, and so for the the Rene Montoya stuff to not quite ascend beyond the the like uh tropes of its genre feels a little lame. I don't know. Yeah. Agreed. So her stuff I was least interested in, but Rosie Perez was awesome.
1: She's just fun to see. And once she's like involved, yeah. like her in that whole theme park sequence is like so fun. Cause she's, you know, she's shooting people. She's looking cool. She's yeah, making yeah. quips. I'm like, yeah, there you go. We got the character where they need it to be. Yeah. Um, What May do you think
0: Br- of, Um, Oh, sorry.
1: She's going to pick Dinah Lance next because yeah, that's what preferred. I was going to say. I, have a big crush on Journey Smollett. The thing with this movie is everyone's hot. Men, women, everyone is just really hot. It's like not distracting. Yeah, McGregor. You and McGregor, 100%. Christmas Allie. Cena. Christmas Cena's nuts. We can't talk about him. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk
0: about him in a minute. Sorry, I, sorry. sorry. Uh, uh, hold uh, on, hold on, Dinah, hold on. Dinah Lance. Journey
1: Smollett, incredible. Journey Smolderette, more like it, because holy crap. That Whoa. scene where she's singing at the beginning and then the like, waveform turns into her name. Beautiful little bit of like text editing
0: yeah um, All the all by the way all the like uh graphic design yeah stuff, title cards and stuff yeah so so good so clever and quick and cool looking yeah nice somebody little, put a lot nice of little... good work into those um
1: yeah, this is a we- interesting reinterpretation of her uh they don't like talk about her mom or anything it's just like yeah she's a singer she has this power she's got a great what, killer voice we naturally hide that until the last moment of the movie where she screams and Harley Quinn rides the scream into a bunch of bad guys which is so <laughs> sick
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. there's a brief moment where someone's like you have the same power your mom has oh um, sure but, maybe they pay but that's service. it yeah there's a brief brief thing
1: she's got she's punchy later in the uh, at the end when they're all at the restaurant Montoya is like it's really impressive that you're able to punch people in those or kick people in those really tight pants (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they just love each other this is the best thing about this ensemble is that they really like each some of them romantically and some of them just like you're cool i think you're really cool and i like that we get to hang out with each other Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's just that's just great i think she she is one of the the cooler members Uh, Mm -hmm. that brings us to Ewan McGregor's wife. <laughs> Sorry, no. Sorry, Ewan McGregor is Mary Elizabeth Winstead's husband. Let me get that right. Uh, oh, late. really? Yeah, they're married.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: Helena Burtonelli. a different backstory for Helena than we're used to, aka Huntress. Get it right. She's not the crossbow killer. Uh,
0: I. This was pretty fun. <laughs> I really liked how... I mean, you know, it's the, the movie doing the most... Um, Kind of like making fun of itself because it's just totally. And this must have been partly course correction from how you're describing Suicide Squad 2016. Um, yeah. For a character to be like, I'm the huntress. And everyone's like, oh, cool. Oh, yeah. Awesome. The crossbow killer, whatever. And <laughs> the bit Mary Elizabeth Winstead plays it in such a fun way where she's totally serious, but it's almost like she's an improviser on stage who's like halfway into the character and yeah. <laughs> like kind of doing a gag the part where she's trying to leave when they're all together at the end she's like well i killed the guy i was trying to kill so i'm gonna go bye and they all go no you're, you're in this now you're part of the birds of prey you gotta stick around and do the big fight okay all right i guess i'll stick around um it's it's a fun like half committal choice that i think mary elizabeth winstead uh, sells in a fun way
1: yeah she and like the moment at the end where they fist bump and she's like i think i will partake in this and it's like you, you're such a dork and she's the kind of person who spent her whole life training in the middle of italy like she doesn't right she didn't right. like develop that many traditional social skills so she's just a weirdo who's really like good looking knows how to ride a motorcycle knows how to shoot a crossbow but that's it yeah it's it's almost it's like a send-up of the huntress character like
0: and of batman too oh yeah like let's make fun of this type of i'm gonna go train you know for decades and then come back and fight and yeah okay but you're kind of a dork when you do that so
1: exactly i, it's I liked a, it i wanted more of her i wanted more of everyone honestly yeah. uh and then of course ella j basco uh goddaughter of dante basco chats alum by the way Chats along, yeah. From Hook on our commentary chats of Hook, as well as our coverage of Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, as Cassandra Kane, a character who used to be mute for a lot of um, the comics, which they mm. pay lip service to by having her not talk for the first five minutes, and then she's like, uh-uh. Anyways, what's up, guys? <laughs> it's me. Um, I don't know enough about Cassandra Kane to know that this is a wild deviation from how she's portrayed. Because she's, like, an assassin, and she's older. They chose to make her a, ch- a child here. How did you
0: feel about Cassandra here? Uh, I similarly didn't know anything about the character and how she quote unquote is supposed to be. So I was just like, okay, I guess this is a thing that there's like a kid who hangs out with Harley Quinn. Um, I thought it was fun uh, because it gives once they're together, it gives Harley Quinn kind of a different dynamic to bounce off of. And yeah, I liked how Harley kind of discovers like her own sense of self-worth and like badassery from being this kind of twisted mentor to this this kid mm-hmm. and seeing herself and her life through Cassandra's eyes. like when Cassandra comes to her apartment, and Harley's like, I know this place is a dump. And Cassandra's like, this is awesome. Yeah, so uh, cool. You know, that moment where Harley's like, okay, yeah, I am fucking cool. Yes, let's do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I enjoyed that. I think it was the right I, – I don't have any opinion on if it made sense to alter the comics character in that way. Mm-hmm. But there being a kid character felt like the right choice to me.
1: And it's tough, right? Like, she's super-duper young. I don't know how old L.J. Vasco is, but I'm pretty sure she's very – 2006. So, 14 years old. Oh, my God. Oh, my (laughs) God. And she doesn't – it's not the traditional, like, oh, a kid actor is super annoying. She's, like, funny and gets along with everyone, and she fights, and she, you know isn't like too precocious. She's just a kid. She's figuring things out. She's amazing at stealing things. I love that sequence where she just walks down the street and robs every single person. And then the cops are like, what? Uh-huh. No, you're going to jail. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. she, her her decision to swallow the diamond being the like, driving force of the movie and why we need to protect her is, is quite funny.
0: Yes. Agreed.
1: Uh, and then last but not least, uh, the man himself, Ian McGregor, Roman Sionis, the villain of the movie. Hoof. Can he do any wrong? Can 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 you do anything wrong? I don't think so. He's just he, so he, shitty.
0: He's extremely, extremely fun in this film. Just gobbling up the scenery. That one of my favorite scenes, the one where he's talking with his with Chris Messina, uh, who's basically playing Stop. himself in this movie. <laughs> Stop. I can't um, accept that. That's Christmas, and <laughs> I refuse. From the newsroom, um, <laughs> yeah. <you know. laughs> but they're talking, and he's like a crossbow guy. What? I like crossbows. I want to own the crossbow guy. And then Diana Lance comes in, and he gives her a tour of all these things that he's like stolen or just oh, shouldn't yeah. have. Uh, and he's like when he's talking about the shrunken heads and he's like yeah so this culture you know they like shrink their enemies heads and whatever and now it's like an ornament on my wall ew so cool <laughs> <laughs> i love that he might as well be God, saying like funny. isn't that fucked up <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah
1: isn't that weird that i have this like yeah it's super duper lamp shading that that type of character but He's yeah. so silly. Once he puts on the mask and goes serious, like he manages to be silly and threatening. Uh yeah, the
0: the scenes where he's genuinely menacing and like intimidating people and unpredictably cruel uh work. I think sometimes it's hard for me to look at you and McGregor and be like, okay, that's I have to see the character. Like yeah. suspending my disbelief was tough. But of I don't course. think that was his because of him i think he was doing a, a pretty good job
1: yes uh yeah whereas with victor's ass i'm like i i can only process this if i don't think about christmasina under all of that makeup It's the only <laughs> way this. Victor as a very famous not very famous but a very commonly used batman villain because he's mm. a little bit of a sicko and he's an easy villain to punch he likes cutting right. people's faces off he's like a classic he's in the arkham games in a big way like the mm-hmm. writers love victor's ass and him being sionis is like lackey who's like i don't care dude just tell me who to cut open and the scene the best christmas scene a scene is that same one you're talking about where he keeps interrupting them to just tell Cyonis more things uh-huh. he's like anyway so i have this mask or whatever and then from the other side of the room he's like harley quinn broke out <laughs> he's like can you <laughs> don't bury the lead like what <laughs> so funny yeah. um yeah, I, I love a pair of, of of shitty dude villains. They're they're great. Um, mm-hmm. What were some other things that you really liked about the movie or wanted to d- dive into? Um, let's see. We talked about the visuals, that police uh, break in scene that gets free round, because the film has this like cool mm-hmm. narrative conceit where Harley is like so eager. She's an unreliable narrator, and so she's so eager to like get to the good parts of the story that she forgets the exposition. And then this movie spends the whole middle third expositing. And then it's like, okay, now let's get back to the beginning of the movie. And which is
0: so smart. It's such a great way to pace it. Yeah. If you're going to do all
1: this exposition, you might as well do the action first and then do the talking afterwards.
0: Yeah. Cause those, again, that first like 15, 20 minutes. I mean, let me just walk you through some of the things that happen, right? There's yeah. like an animated intro Love where that. Harley's explaining her <laughs> relationship trauma with uh-huh. her parents and her Catholic school and her and the Joker and different things like that. Yeah. Um and then we do like I'm crying and I cut my hair in the mirror. Scene yeah. <laughs> and that involves her cutting her ponytails a little bit shorter, <laughs> which is so funny. I'm tattooing myself, I'm throwing knives at the wall at my ex boyfriend's face. Um, I'm buying a, a hyena and feeding somebody to it, yeah. pouring cheese whiz into my mouth. Um, then I'm okay. going to the roller derby and like beating people up at the roller derby
1: <laughs> to Barracuda.
0: Um, yeah, well, no, this whole time I hate myself for loving you is playing. Oh, which excuse is a, me. a great song. By the way, the music in this movie is impeccably charts. chosen. So good. Don't the you fact cat? that <laughs> Yeah, the fact that we are like heading to the final confrontation and it's <laughs> you know, every every trailer has like the slow dramatic version of a popular song. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and in this movie it's Hit me with your best shot. But it's like the slow, dramatic, like, hit me with your best shot kind of thing.
1: Way. It's like God, so funny. It's so, so I good. usually hate that trope very much, but it's funny in this because it feels like, you know, they know a little bit.
0: Right. It, it feels self-aware. Um, So, we do that great montage. We do this really interesting oneer in the club where we're like fast forwarding and seeing harley bop around to different parts of the space um and we have this great moment where she blows up the chemical plant she breaks into the police station with the glitter bazooka and then the movie does a really good job of calling back to those kind of anchor points as it Mm -hmm. introduces you to the other characters and brings them into the story um so yeah i just think that opening set of scenes is bananas and then they can use that to kind of make the exposition more interesting as the rest of the movie goes on um you know there's actually a,
1: a fan theory about that police station break in that, she's that it's hitting. like
0: a real gun. Yeah.
1: Something. Yeah.
0: But in her story, it's not.
1: Exactly. Because she's hitting them with beanbags. And maybe she just doesn't want to accept that she's like killing people. Or she mm. feels like weird trauma about that. So she, in her unreliable narrator story, is like, oh, I, I blew them up with confetti. But yeah. either way, I like the 'cause Because this is an R-rated movie. They could show that. But right. instead, it's like, it's almost more clever. That she's knocking them out with beanbags.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And there is a a moment where she shoots a guy in the head, too.
1: And like kills him?
0: Yeah, when um it's the guy who's like about to one of the the bounty hunter guys who's gonna take Cassandra and is holding her, Harley like shoots him square in the forehead.
1: Oh fun. Okay.
0: But maybe that's that's a moment where it's like that feels like a justifiable. Right, justifiable violence. Totally. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's great. The egg sandwich scene, iconic. This is the what like, and it's an anchor point for the movie.
1: It's so important.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: She wants comfort. She wants the thing that makes her happy and like feels safe. And women eating, we're like enjoying the act of people eating and enjoying food together. And she wants to just mm-hmm. have a fucking egg and cheese sandwich, and that's okay. It's beautiful. It's triumphant. It's like. Filmed like pornographically, like the scene where the guy is like (laughs) cracking the two eggs. It looked like a it looked like a Burger King commercial. Babbage has made this burger or this um, sandwich.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, I believe it. Uh, I I thought it was I thought it was so funny, (laughs) the part where at the end of the the chase when she drops the sandwich, and then she's talking about like, basically like I you know I put so much at risk. Like I'm learning that this lifestyle you know it could hurt the ones that i love and it's like her egg sandwich yeah. scattered on the floor so, so mad it's there yeah so priorities.
1: good she's got her priorities in order i respect it a lot mm-hmm. um yeah i love that i was just going to say the trivia about that was margot robbie's allergic to uh chicken egg whites so that was huh. uh it was not chicken eggs i think it was ostrich eggs no not ostrich eggs that would not make sense it's a different type of egg interesting i digress i digress
0: mm.
1: control f egg duck eggs there you go Makes um sense. yeah there's uh some other stuff the way the dispatch sionis is very fun and like simple where uh-huh. you know, it turns out he's like got a grenade and Har- or one of harley's grenades and uh, what's her face? Cassandra Kane is like, oh, I'm sorry. We're all being honest with each other. Like, I just want you to know that I stole your ring. What ring? Oh, kaboom. Kick him into the ocean. <laughs> blow he blows up. We see the chunks almost hit the camera. Fucking awesome. sick. Awesome. Very sick.
0: So, okay. This is my question for you. Please. Uh, is there anything to be discussed in watching this right after the two thousands show. Cause they're both uh, called birds of prey. Correct. They both share a few characters.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But they're also so so different. True. I'm wondering if if that viewing them in close proximity did anything for you. Uh
1: I think that yes, like when I come out of thirteen under thirteen shows, often one of my thoughts is how would this work today? If we could just do it again in the current TV landscape and Mm -hmm. you probably wouldn't do birds of prey in the current TV landscape because it's not like marketable. It's not a three season arc kind of show. I think that they could rework it and make it about like plot arcs and character development entirely and not do villain of the week stuff. And it might succeed, but it would work really well as a movie. And I think this is an example of like a first movie in what I would have hoped was a birds of prey series. Um, that it would be this loud, colorful, brash thing as opposed to 2002's like kind of drab, gothic, almost like like dark, evil, in aesthetic. Um, I think it's just a different way to interpret that. And in 2020, you need a reinterpretation of like what is Birds of Prey and redefinition. So it's just, it's so f- interesting holding these next to each other and going, one is dark and brooding and leading into the aesthetic of the time. The other one is deliberately bucking the trend of our time where superhero movies are gray and boring. And instead it says, what if we're colorful and loud and feminine and, you know, and middle finger to the world. It's just like, it's going for different things. And it was really fun comparing those two where one is trying to fit in and the other one is accepting that it doesn't, which in my opinion Mm -hmm. is more true to like what the birds of prey should be. Mm -hmm. They're outside of the standard type of superhero story. Right. That was a lot of I like words. That. I hope that made sense.
0: No, that, that does make sense. Yeah. I think it it's interesting to think about both as expressions of feminine power and what that looks like and how birds the two thousands birds of prey, I think, uh in some ways effectively kind of grounds that in the relationships between the ensemble but it's also steeped in like a certain era of TV that had a particular aesthetic of feminine power that feels a little like outdated maybe. Um, And then this movie has certainly a a different uh, approach um, that I was a lot more excited by um, and that I thought was a lot more fun uh but it's it's interesting i don't know
1: i think that uh, this movie is also more timeless than the o2 show because right right like like i said when you just follow the trend of what's popular you're going to look dated immediately but if mm-hmm. you deliberately buck that trend then it's like oh you were unique at the time and 5 10 years down the line i'm going to go oh you know i want something colorful and actiony and like loud i'm going to watch birds of prey 2020 mhm it doesn't feel like an artifact of the past. It feels like an artifact of its own little present, its own unique present. Yeah. Um, so that, that's that's how I feel about it. I think that they both have a lot of merit, though. I don't want to say this as like, 2002 is bad. It's just going. For yeah, something yeah, really yeah, yeah.
0: Right. Yeah, I think this is... Uh, <laughs> I, I think kind of what I'm saying about it is like, Birds of Prey 2002 took like tropes and a style that was kind of outdated at the time that it was doing it and did it well and this movie is doing its own thing um and that's kind of two different things
1: now imagine if mia sarah did a marilyn monroe sequence where she's in the red dress oh my god that sequence i forgot about it yeah uh, one of the most visually impressive sequences that they really did. That's like an actual Marilyn Monroe performance that they pretty much mm. just remade, which is sick. Huh? Um. Yeah. It's a great movie. You should all watch it. Uh, It's breezy. It's funny. It's light. It's entertaining. I wish they did another yeah. one like just like it.
0: Yeah. This movie, by the way, that's just a good example. Like this movie does a decent job also of, depicting a world where like terrible male characters have a lot of power that they exert over women without like trauma porning that sort of a thing. Yeah. For the most part, there's that one scene where um, Sionis Sionis. is like, has the girl up on the table and like, that's a whole fucking thing.
1: Cut her clothes off. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But like the fact that, you know it's the scene where he like slaps harley quinn in the face and that slap brings us to this just like frenetic dream sequence that previews her like kind of reclaiming the power in this situation there's just something about that thematically and visually that's really cool to me that we don't use that as a moment to like like reduce harley quinn or or weaken her we use it as an opportunity to display her inner strength and sense of the world that she dreams for and mm-hmm. like that's just a cool it's just cool i think um and i think a lot of movies can miss the mark on that sort of thing but i really it's liked a, it in this it's it
1: me too man it uh it's a very self-aware acknowledgement that that the depictions of things like that have changed because just compare jp J. manu's character in birds of prey oh two Who's like, mm-hmm. I want to have sex with you. And his superpower is related to the metaphor of being a pervert, of being, you know, a predator. Right. Whereas, right. Uh, Sionis does not have a superpower that makes him a creep. He just is a man with power. And that inherently yeah. makes him creepy. We don't have to couch it in a metaphor because he just is that. Like, right. I think that's actually, it actually hits a lot harder without having to be like, I'm going to, you know, do nasty stuff. He doesn't have to do that. I don't have to do a character like that. He just has that one moment where you're like, oh my God, he could could make people do whatever he wants if he's not stopped. And that's enough to tell you, yep, this guy's creepy. This guy's disgusting. We need to defeat him. And they even still manage to be a little silly with it where like Harley, a lot for the first third of the movie or so keeps listing out people's grievances with her. (laughs) It's like great series of sequences where she's running away and everyone she sees is like, Harley! I just think it's funny that she lives in a place full of people who hate her. Like, good for you. that you. Just yeah, and never... she, like,
0: doesn't know their names. <laughs> and also. doesn't
1: move. She's just like, I still live here. Like, whatever. The sandwiches here are good. And I don't know any of these guys, but I know they all hate me. And when they do the list of grievances for Sionis, did you pa- if you paused on that at all, uh, one of them said, uh, things he doesn't like about me, and it was like, you know, I called him like SciSci or something like I called him a nickname or I yelled too much and then one of them was like just having a vagina (laughs) like just being a a woman Uh made him hate me yeah Uh, one
0: of them was voting for Bernie also
1: (laughs) whoa confirmed Harley Quinn votes for Bernie Sanders that's (laughs) true also Bernie Sanders exists in the DC film universe yeah Uh, very very interesting Um, yeah I think that the movie has some really like smart stuff underneath all the silliness and that's what makes it super entertaining Mm-hmm. uh i have a couple quick hits just the quickest of hits yeah literally a pair of them but they're both important number one that speaking of like references to other things when harley's leaving the police office and she goes hey i know that guy and points to a wanted poster uh it's captain boomerang from suicide squad 2016 it's brief huh. and not not annoying in the marvel way of like you'll never guess who was there uh-huh. post credits sequence. And then the other one, this is just a small moment. Somebody else called it out. I noticed it as well. In that final fight scene, uh, Harley offers Dinah a hair tie. And it's just like, you need a hair tie? Yeah, I got you. Because that's important when you're fighting people. And it was just like a nice moment of like, you know, girls helping out girls. Yeah,
0: that's fun. They decided to
1: include that. That's a really sweet little moment. We like that. Yeah. Did you have anything else about Birds of Prey 2020?
0: No, that's pretty much it.
1: It slaps. It's got a great soundtrack. That's what I got. Nice. Um, And that, dear listener, brings another chapter of 13 Under 13 to a close. I believe that's five completed, right, Magellan? Yep, that's right. Wow, five out of 13 done.
0: Yeah. So after this episode, we're going to take a little bit of a break on the main feed. We're going to take about two weeks off from new episodes. But I think you'll probably get like reruns of Patreon stuff, right? yeah do that Um, and then we'll come back after that with a should you watch episode which will drop let me give specific uh release dates here so that everybody is on the same page that should you watch episode will release on may 21st so have we decided that we're watching um that one thing
1: tiny beautiful people
0: Things, tiny beautiful things. Tiny
1: beautiful things. Yes, we have to <laughs> Yeah.
0: Okay. Cool. So we're gonna watch the Hulu show, mm-hmm. "Tiny Beautiful Things," based on the life of Cheryl Strayed, the advice columnist, dear sugar. Right. Yeah. Sugar? Good job. Okay. That was all from my head, actually. Believe that was
1: I could tell, and that was really impressive.
0: Thank you. Um, so yeah, we will do that for May twenty first. It sounded like a few people in the Discord were interested in that. And then we will start our sixth thirteen under thirteen series, which will close out this uh trio with a return, our final return to the Ben Queeniverse. Yeah. Watching Powerless. So you wanna tell us about powerless and what to expect?
1: I do. The year is 2018. The name of the place is Babylon 5. 2016, I'm so sorry. Following Follows the staff of an insurance company specializing in products to protect defenseless bystanders from the collateral damage of superheroes and supervillains. Created by Ben Queen, starring, and I'm not kidding, Vanessa Hudgens, Danny Puddy, and Alan Tudyk.
0: Not to mention Ron Funches. And is Christina Kirk, too?
1: but she's like, you know, the Ben Queen of hers. Christina Kirk the GOAT. And Ron Funches, yeah, what's going on? Is this show wow. good? It was recommended what a to squad. us. It's it's an official DC licensed sitcom. It's it's not gonna be good, dude. I can I smell it and I'm excited for that.
0: Yeah, what if it I'm, is,
1: but what if it is?
0: I'm ready for this one to be interesting.
1: Yeah yeah so that that's, we'll that's the next 13 under
0: 13. um what's next nigel um uh should we tell people anything about after that probably not yet right no, no 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 um yeah we'll talk about our plans for the next chat season later in we got time in we're june cooking in we're cooking up stuff for. You but guys. We, we've got some ideas cooking up for uh, an interesting season we think Um, Cool. Yeah. So that's that. So let's um, do plugs and stuff and then get the heck out of here. You can get in touch with the show in a few different ways. You can email us at chatspot at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash r slash chatspot. You can, in both of those places, send us any questions, comments, concerns, suggestions. You can request to be on an episode of us discussing Powerless. Now's the time to make sure that you secure your spot you can also watch Tiny Beautiful Things and send us your opinions to be read on that episode because we're recording it um, in a little while from now. So, so do that. Um, you can also find us on YouTube. Chat's a television podcast on YouTube. You can rate us on your podcast wherever's Apple Podcasts and uh, you know Spotify or I don't know something wherever you can rate things. Stinky Pod. Uh, you can. Join fellow listeners on our subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash chatspot and on our Discord, which is a benefit for all patrons, past, present, and future at a dollar a month and up. Also, if you're a patron at $3 a month and up, you get access to our thrice, nope, our twice now, sorry. $3 a month and up, you get access to our twice monthly bonus content, which includes one episode chosen by us and one episode suggested by you all on a wheel that I spin and to see what wins $5 a month and up gets you thanked at the end of the show as a Chassis Watsy Deluxe Comfort Plus patron. Here are our $5 patrons as of right now. They are Stefan Six, Pat and Nick of the Brothers at Infinite War, Michael, May Louise, Marcus, my mom, Lee, Kat, Justin, Jen, and Arthur. We have a website, chatspot.com, at Com Strater, designed our podcast art. And uh, Alan, you're on a few podcasts, We forgot. I forgot. This is the part I skipped by accident. Tell us about those podcasts you're on.
1: Yeah, you can hear me on uh, a lot of different stuff over at scanlinemedia.com, including the Creature Quorum, where we review different creatures from Monster Hunter and Pokemon. You can hear me on Oops More Anime, where we're talking about Gundam, the Witch from Mercury. Now that it's back in season two, we're changing our format up. Um, And I'm also on the Garnet Wager, which is a currently on pause, not done, but on pause podcast where uh, we develop a weird cinematic universe of podcast and television meta humor, and it's great. Uh, my other main gig is Talking Marketing. That's a bi-monthly marketing chat hangout podcast that I do for the American Marketing Association's Boston chapter. Um, we got some really great episodes. Uh, the month of April, we have two dropping because we have a special promo, promo ep uh, for a friend of the pod, Louie. So, um, yeah, check out Talking Marketing. Uh, in that case, wherever you listen to podcasts. What about you?
0: You can find me on a video game podcast called Super Smash Echoes that I do with my friend Justin, where we play video games related to the Super Smash Brothers franchise. Super Smash Echoes. Check it out. Here are some other things we want you to check out. Some chatsums. Little snackies between now and next time. Alan? What? What's your chatsum? Your last chatsum of Birds of Prey? Oh, boy. Yeah.
1: Oh, boy. Okay. I have three TV shows to tell you about. I'm gonna. They're quick. I'm like so. I have so much free time right now, y'all, because like a lot of social stuff is moving around and life is challenging. So I have a lot of time to just sit around and watch TV. It's the only thing my brain ever wants to do. I love it. I would love to do it for a living, like we do here. It's great. Some shows I've been enjoying recently. Beef. It's on Netflix. We were originally going to. Should you watch it? Didn't sound like there was a ton of interest. And also, one of the main cast seems like a fucking asshole. Uh, and a creepo. So. We're not covering beef. I still loved the series. I think it's a beautiful story about the human condition and loneliness and companionship. And if you're willing to give it a couple episodes uh, of your time, because it's only eight episodes, you'll have you'll be so engrossed. Or Sorry, it's ten episodes. You'll be so engrossed. I don't want to tell you too much about what it's about other than a road rage incident goes spectacularly wrong. Uh, and we integrate different stories about Asian identity, Asian-American identity. And uh, it's got an amazing cast, except for that one guy. Number two, this is a show recommended to me by a friend of the podcast, Arthur. It's called Heavenly Delusion. It's a new anime that's basically a post-apocalyptic like romance story with two frame narratives going on that I'm really loving. Uh, it seems like it's building up to something really cool. That's Heavenly Delusion. And last but not least, and I will talk more about this one on Should You Watch, uh, Mrs. Davis uh, on Peacock is one of the weirdest shows I've ever watched in my gosh darn life. It is, what if the one of the creators of Big Bang Theory and one of the creators of Lost made a show together about religion and absurdism and AI, and I, it's so weird. I can't even begin to tell you what it's about, but if it sounds interesting, it's on Peacock. It's Mrs. Davis. Here's my TV wrap-up for the week. Wow, nice. Thanks, pal. What about you?
0: Transport yourself back to 2003. Oh, okay. Yay. It's February of 2003. You're sad. Oh, virtual Craig oh. just ended. Bummer. Oh. I guess it got canceled. And then you're like, ah, what's going to entertain me? Shoot. There's just nothing good on, nothing good in the theaters. And you have to wait all the way until September. Yeah, all the way until September. For the perfect film to reach theaters. It's a little PG-13 comedy film. It has a little music, and I wouldn't call it a musical, although there is a musical of it now. It stars Jack Black as Dewey Finn, who's pretending to be Ned Schneebly, but really wants to be a rock star. It's School of Rock. Uh, I rewatched it over the weekend, and by goodness, that is a fun, fun time at the film, at the movies. I highly recommend School of Rock if you haven't seen it in a while uh oh. I I learned so for years. My students have been calling me Jack Black. Yeah, uh which you know you, was always it, like what because I'm a little big, you know, putting on a little weight. It was big guy with
1: here. a beard. That's all. You have longer hair. That's all it is.
0: Big guy with a beard, longer hair. But watching School of Rock, I was like, ah, oh, shit. I've based a lot of my teacher <laughs> persona on Jack Black in this movie, haven't I?
1: On Dewey Finn.
0: Damn. Shit, this, this movie's like a core memory, isn't it? Mm, interesting, interesting. Um, but, you know, he does gold standard PBL in that room in that movie. So what are you going to do? We
1: love gold standard PBL. Pro- <sighs> problem-based learning if you're nasty. Project,
0: project-based learning. Fuck!
1: No, it's but it's try. problem-based learning if you're nasty. It's project-based right. learning if you're correct. Right. I love that.
0: So School of Rock. It was fun. Watch it. Check it out. or don't,
1: live your life, live your truth or
0: don't, yeah we gave you you
1: TV, we gave you movies and uh, we gave you an episode of the show so thank you for listening to our coverage of Birds of Prey we hope you enjoyed it and we hope you enjoyed the episode thank you to Magellan for being the Poison Ivy to my Harley Quinn because although we're far apart uh, they can't keep our hearts from each other's. No. and thank you so much for listening to Chats of Prey